Well, we're going to spend the next several weeks in uh, the book of Ezra. Uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord has really put it on my heart to, to go through this book, as well as the, uh, the book that follows, which is Nehemiah. These books actually kind of go together. In, in the Hebrew Bible, it, it's one book. It's Ezra and Nehemiah. And you'll notice if, if you read through the two books, the, the language is very similar. You can, you can really get a feel that it's the, the same author. A lot of the same ideas, themes, uh, concepts come up over and over again. And, uh, you know, the, the overriding theme of, of these books is rebuilding which I think is very uh, apropos for, for us right now as, as this church. You know, we, we need to, as a church, to, I think, to, to hear from God from these books. Well, before, before we get started with Ezra, in fact, we're not, we're not even going to look at Ezra today. We're just going to uh, talk about the background. You know, when you, uh, sometimes you watch a movie and here's, here's what's going on and then they go back, you know. Eight year, you know, eight years earlier, or, or whatever, you know, just to just to bring you up to that point. That's that's what I hope to do today. And um, you know, as as the book of Ezra begins, the uh, the Jews have been taken captive by the Babylonians, and it's been seventy years. They were taken away from their homes and taken away. The temple has, has been destroyed, this, this beautiful temple that uh, Solomon, King Solomon had, had built. The, the city of, of Jerusalem uh, lay in ruins. So what, what happened? You know, how, how did we get here? So I'd, look, I'd like to look at that situation. You know, we see in the Bible that God's people many times, in fact, you see a cycle of, of God's people walking away from God, forgetting about God, turning, turning their backs on him, you know, quick to, to forget the things that God has, has done for them, you know, the, the miracles that he has done. And, you know, as we go through the Old Testament, we, we see this, this pattern repeat itself. We see this cycle. People forget about God. Once they do that, they, they turn to uh, the false gods, the idols that are worshipped by the people who are around them. And uh, their, their, their worship of the true God, the creator God, Yahweh, falls to, falls to the wayside as, as they take on these, these pagan practices. And they go the way of the world. And in the Bible, we see that over and over again. In fact... Uh, you know, and even even in our own society, we we see this this pattern. You know, it's been going on for a long time. And in in the Bible, only when only when things get really bad, do people realize. You know, this this isn't working out real well. You know, my my way doesn't work. And what do they do? God God raises up a leader who leads the people to to repent and and turn back to God and. And God blesses the people. God defeats the enemies and, and people once again look, look to God. And then what happens? You know, the next generation comes along and, you know, perhaps the, the parents don't teach their children well about the things that God has done. Perhaps... 
people get distracted. You know, once, once things are good, you know, when things are going really well, you don't feel like you need help, right? Sometimes, you know, we can, we can kind of fool ourselves. And then we begin to go, the, go the way of the world, our, our own way. And then, you know, the third generation comes along and, and people have completely forgotten about God. You know, once, once again, they're following after the false gods. They're following after uh, the idols, the, the gods that are not gods. And, and they've come full circle. So, you know, as a, as a very brief background of Ezra, you know, I'd like to just spend today and, and talk about three C's. Kings, conduct, and consequences. So, I know. So God, God gives leaders. God gives kings uh, to the people. And by their conduct, the, the, the people either enjoy the, uh, the consequences or they suffer the consequences as, as they follow these leaders. So I'd like to uh, just do a quick survey of some of, some of the kings both good and bad, see how their, their con- conduct, good and bad. I know it's K, it's not C. Um, yeah, the three cuz. Uh, yeah. You know, see how by their conduct, good and bad, uh, the, the people are affected, the people of God are affected, and what the consequences are, how, how we end up in this situation where, where the temple is destroyed, the city is destroyed, the walls are torn down, and the people are gone. They've been shipped off to Babylon. And uh, you really, to do justice, we could, we could spend about a year with, with the background because there's a lot of scripture, a lot of, a lot of the prophets, Jeremiah, Haggai, Isaiah, a lot of these prophets talk about all of this. And we'll, we'll get into that as we, as we go through the, the book of Ezra. The other his, historical books, uh, Second Chronicles is really good. You can learn a lot about the, uh, the different kings in, in Second Chronicles. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit here. But Second Chronicles, where it leads off is right where Ezra begins. Listen to this. This is Second uh, Chronicles 36. 22 to 23, these last two verses of Second Chronicles say, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is Judah in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. It's a, a miraculous thing that, that's happening here, where this, this pagan king has responded to God's stirring. You know, God, God has a plan. God is sovereign, and his, his will is, is going to be accomplished. 
But even before that, let's, let's look at these three things, the, the kings, the conduct, and the consequences. First of all, kings. God places kings, shepherds, over, over his people. You know, the Bible uses this, this term shepherd to uh, describe the leaders of the people. And, uh, you know, God himself is, is the chief shepherd. Though th- that, that term chief shepherd doesn't appear in the Old Testament, God is per- portrayed in the Old Testament as such, a, a chief shepherd who leads his people through appointed leaders under shepherds. And that's the imagery, by the way, that we'll, we'll see in the New Testament where Jesus is called the chief shepherd. And in the church, the, the pastors and elders are, are uh, the under shepherds. Well, anyway, he appoints leaders to be shepherds over his people. And kings are also called shepherds. God brings kings up to lead and guide his, his people. You know, especially David and his, his descendants are, are called shepherds. God told David in, in 2 Samuel 5, 2, You shall be the shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. And by the way, this term shepherd applies really more to the, uh, to more than, than just kings. Um, you know, an example of a non-king under shepherd, uh, Psalm seventy-seven twenty. It says, "You led you led our people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron, who were shepherds." In Psalm seventy-eight seventy through seventy-two, Asaph recounts how God chose David as God chose David to shepherd Jacob and his people. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. And Ezekiel, speaking of of the descendants of David, David's lineage prophesies that David shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd. Uh, and And we just saw... In that, that last couple of verses in Second Chronicles, that Cyrus, the king of Persia, this this pagan king, Isaiah forty four twenty eight says, "He is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill my purpose." So, obviously, God's a chief shepherd, using under shepherd under shepherds to accomplish His will. Now, uh, under shepherds are, are accountable to God. As, as chief shepherd, God holds these under shepherds accountable for caring for his people. You know, he expects them to be uh, mature. He expects them to nurture and protect and feed and lead his, his sheep. And of shepherds who don't properly care for God's sheep, uh, they're, the, the, the people are, are afflicted for, for a lack of shepherd. Uh, Listen to this. The people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of shepherd. My anger is hot against the shepherds. I will punish the leaders for the Lord of hosts cares for his flock, the house of Judah. That's from Zechariah. Zechariah is one of the prophets who was prophesying at the time of of Ezra. For, For lack of a shepherd, God's people are, they're lost, they're, they're dispersed. They're they're defeated by their enemies, and uh, Jeremiah talks about that in Jeremiah fifty six. 
50, verse 6, Jeremiah 50, verse 6. So these shepherds have, have failed in their responsibility. Uh, they're the kings who, the kings and leaders of Israel who, who've really not followed God's charge. Uh, and, and they themselves are, are contrary. Their character is contrary to, to God's own character. And according to uh, commentator Lamar Cooper, these shepherds were, were more than military political leaders. They, they bore a primary responsibility for the moral and spiritual direction of the, na- of the nation. So God voices his, his disgust and his anger at uh, shepherds who have allowed the sheep to become scattered and become prey to, to beasts. These shepherds have, have not fed God's sheep, uh, but they fed themselves. In, in Ezekiel 34.10, God says, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and, uh, and put a stop to their, their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. So you get this feeling uh, some of these some of these shepherds are pretty bad you know they're they're very detrimental to the to the people and uh, you know though though angry at the shepherds, God loves the sheep he he reveals his love and you know he promises to to seek them out and, and return them to the pasture and and bring restoration uh, reference to that's ezekiel thirty four eleven through sixteen I didn't put the, all these verses in the, the outline. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of scripture that support, supports this. Uh, the the under-shepherds who God appoints are, are accountable. That's, that's what it boils down to. They're accountable for the sheep that they are charged to, to take care of. And we're going to see this same expectation and, and accountability later in the New Testament. Uh, the, the failure of a, of, a, of a false shepherd contrasts against the, uh, the hope and the, uh, you know, the coming ideal shepherd who is Jesus. Now we could be, who, who was the first king of, of Israel? Anybody remember? Saul, yeah. And then, then David after Saul. Um, we could talk about them. We're not going to. We could talk about David's son Solomon. After, after King Solomon's death in around uh, 930 B.C., the, the kingdom was split. Solomon had, a, had, a, had a, an unwise son. Uh, the kingdom split into uh, Israel, the northern kingdom, Judah, the, the southern kingdom. Uh, I'm going to go forward a little bit from that. And, and talk about another king. This this king was very uh, influential and and uh, probably the best example of a really good king. In fact, the Bible says that uh, before him there was nobody like him. After him, there was nobody like him. Josiah is, was his name. Josiah. He led a great revival of, of God's people. It, it started when he, uh, in fact, by the way, he was very young when he uh, became a king, very young. But at, at one point, he decided to uh, to renovate the temple. Uh, the, the temple had fallen into a terrible disrepair, 
People had, had turned away from God. They were worshiping idols in, the, in God's temple. There were, there were prostitutes operating out of the temple. Anyway, Josiah decided to make some changes. And in the process of, of renovating the temple, uh, some, some workers found uh, these scrolls. And uh, so, well, you know, what, what are these? Uh, it, was, it was the books of the law, the, the Torah. You know, God's, God's word had become lost in the temple. God's written word neglected and, and literally lost. And the discovery of God's word and the reading of God's word brought conviction and, and repentance and, and revival. Josiah had all that junk removed, all those evil practices removed from, from the temple. And he, he re-implemented true worship in, in God's house. It's, it's a great story, great story of revival and God's patience and his willingness to uh, see his people turn around when, when they call on him. Yeah, later, Josiah was killed in battle, and his, his son, uh, Jehoahaz, replaced him as, as king in Jerusalem. And uh, he, he only reigned for three months because the, uh, the king of Egypt deposed him. And they made his brother Eliakim king of Jerusalem and Judah. Uh, Eliakim's name was changed to Jehoiakim. And he was evil. This, this great king Josiah had a son who became king and, and was evil. Second uh, Chronicles 36.5 says, He did what was evil in sight of the Lord his God. Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon and bound him in chains to take him from Babylon. His son, Jehoiachin, succeeded him as king. And uh, let's just uh, look at, at some of these. This, this gives us a good backdrop of what, what's going on when uh, Ezra begins. So this is Second uh, Chronicles 36, beginning in 5. Just listen. Jehoiakim was 25-year-old. 25 years old when he began to reign he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God against him came up Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon and bound him in chains to take him to Babylon Nebuchadnezzar also carried part of the vessels from the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his palace in Babylon so these were the uh, you know the the vessels that were made out of gold and silver, you know, worth a lot. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and the abominations that he did and what was found against him, behold, they're written in the book of kings of Israel and Judah. And Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his place. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, became king, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In the spring of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the precious vessels of the house of the Lord and made his brother Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who made him swear by God. He stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. All the officers of the priest and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations, and they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. You get kind of a feel for these evil kings, these these bad shepherds who God is talking about. Uh, Let's look at Nebuchadnezzar. He was the the king of the Babylonian Empire. And uh, and what's interesting about this is God used him. God called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. In Jeremiah 25, 8 through 9, because he used this, uh, this pagan king to bring judgment on his people. Listen to this. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words... Behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all these surrounding nations. So God will do this. He he will use bad leaders to accomplish his his purposes. He'll use bad leaders at times to to bring judgment on, on his people. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. So God's got a plan. God's got a purpose, and he, he's going to accomplish it. Jeremiah 27.12-15, listen to this. To Zedekiah, the king of Judah, I spoke in like manner. Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon to, and serve him and his people and live. Why will you and your people die by the sword, by famine and pestilence, as the Lord has spoken concerning any nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are saying to you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon, for it is a lie that they're prophesying to you. I have not sent them, declares the Lord, but they are prophesying falsely in my name, with the result that I will drive you out, and you will perish in all the prophets who are prophesying for you. So, you know, the people are in a pretty sorry state. They've got bad kings. They've got prophets who are lying, you know, claiming to speak for God, but not. Let's look at King Cyrus, the king of Persia. He, Persia conquered Babylon. And God used him to turn things around to bring the people back to, to their homeland and, and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and rebuild the city, Jerusalem. Zion, we just sang about. In Isaiah forty four twenty eight. Isaiah writes, It is I who says, Cyrus, he is my shepherd. See, God is calling Cyrus a shepherd. And he will perform all my desire. And he declares of Jerusalem, she shall be built. And of the temple, your foundation will be led. So, you know, God used all these kings in in one way or another 
to accomplish his purposes. Uh, let's look at their conduct. I think we've already touched on that, that quite a bit here, but you know, it's interesting when you look at uh, all these kings, uh, both of the, the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, and, and identify them as good or bad. In, in, in a seminary, there, there was an exercise where we did this. The Bible says, you know, that whether they're good or bad. Let's spend a moment on that. After after the split, uh, the the northern kingdom, Israel, had uh, 19 kings. Can you guess how many of these were good kings? None. Zero. They were all evil. Every one of them. 19 out of 19. The Bible talks about each of these and, uh, you know, talks about the things they they did how evil they were. How about the southern kingdom of Judah? Uh, Judah had 20 kings after Solomon, King David's son. Uh, Judah's better. Eight were good, and and 12 were evil. Uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, it says in Second Chronicles, he did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Uh, Next was Abijam. It says he walked in the sins, all the sins of his father, which he had committed before him, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God. King Asa was a, was next. He was a good king. It said. It says he he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, like David. Uh, Jehoshaphat, he walked in the way all the way of Asa his father. He did not turn aside from it, doing right in the sight of the Lord. However, it says, the high places were not taken away. That's, that's where people worshipped idols. The high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burnt incense at the high places. So you see these worldly ways creeping back in. Uh, Jehoram, he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab became his wife. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Ahaziah, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. There was a queen, by the way, uh, Athelia, queen of Judah. She was evil. She assassinated all of the uh, royal offspring, except for uh, Joash, who had been hidden away from her. Joash, when he became king, he did right in the sight of the Lord all his days, which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. But he didn't abolish idol worship either. So got some compromise going on. Anyway, you get the idea. We can, we can go on and talk about, about all these kings, and you can read about the others. Uh, you know, Even many of the, uh, the kings who were, were good kings, they still... They still compromised. They still allowed idol worship. So these these kings, these these shepherds, they they led people to the point where God needed to seriously intervene. Uh, let, let's look at the consequences. These are not only the consequences of uh, you know to the, to the kings, but more importantly to the people who who are following these kings. You know, the Bible talks about God's patience. It, it says in Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, uh, 
slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But you know, there's limits. There's limits. God will only put up with rebellious behavior for so long before he applies his, his discipline. In, uh, in Nahum, the prophet Nahum says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Let's, let's look at the end of, of Second Chronicles then. This, is, this leads up to the point to where uh, the book of Ezra picks up the story. So verse, verse 15 of the, the last chapter of, of Second Chronicles says, The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But... They kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, until there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans. That's Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on the young men or virgin, old men or aged. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God, and broke down the walls of Jerusalem, and burned all its palaces with fire, and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took them into exile in Babylon, those who escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So there was, you know, God had, God had uh, instituted a, the law of the uh, Sabbath for the land. You know, every, every seventh year, the land should lay fallow. And the people disobeyed that. So God just said, well, I'm going to take you out of the land. That land's going to lay fallow for 70 years. So God's people brought destruction upon themselves once again because they turned away from God. They rebelled in, in every way. They disobeyed. And, uh, you know, God will not strive with us forever. You know, it, it says that until there was no remedy. But God had a plan to bring them back. God's a God of, of redemption, and we're going to see that in the book of, El, of Ezra. God is, is full of grace. He's, he's rich in kindness. Uh, he's rich in patience and, and forbearance. Uh, that's, that's why he just doesn't incinerate us all. You know, in the, in the book of Lamentations, you know, that song we sing about, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I like the way the King James Version uh, says this, you know, great, great is thy faithfulness. 
you know, your mercies are new every morning. And then it says, because of, because of, because of his mercy, uh, we're not consumed. In fact, uh, you know, he often gives people, especially of his, especially members of his covenant community, many, many chances to repent. But when we get to that, that point where there's no remedy, God knows that we won't come to repentance. He will allow us to suffer the consequences. He will, he will chastise us. Paul in Romans 2, 4 through 5 says, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Anyway, God has, God has a way of, of placing leaders, shepherds, and removing them. He'll even use bad leaders for, for his purposes, just, just as he did with King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Cyrus, you know, he used this pagan king to, uh, with Nebuchadnezzar to execute judgment on his people. Cyrus to, to bring them back, to redeem them, uh, returning them from uh, exile. In, in Daniel 20, 20 to 21, uh, Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epics and removes kings and establishes kings. So, you know, what, uh, what man can intend for evil, God can intend for good. So that, that's, kind of, that's a very, very brief uh, background for, for this. You know, there are many books in the Old Testament that give us a lot more insight. The book of Daniel uh, Jeremiah is is full of information and, and prophecy about it. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Haggai, the, the historical books. Anyway, kings, conduct, consequences. You know, God gives shepherds over his people. History shows that they can be uh, very influential either for good or for bad. And, uh, you know, consequently, we're, we can be either blessed or, or chastised when we follow good or bad kings, shepherds. And so, uh, you know, how does, what does this mean to us? How, how does this apply to us? You know, un, unlike these people in the Old Testament who had kings placed over them, we can, we can choose our, our leaders, you know, our, our national leaders, our, our local leaders. We can, in our church, we, we choose our, our shepherds, our, our elders, and our, our pastors. You know, so it's very important that uh, we, we do this very judiciously. You know, we, need to, we need to follow God's leading and pick godly people. You know, and I, I'm grateful to God that we, we have some very godly leaders in this church. The, uh, the elders and the deacons, uh, they just love God with, with all their hearts. And, and they love 
the church. Very worth following. You know, their, their hearts are, are inclined towards God, and I, I know that uh, they are and they will lead very well. We'll see in Ezra that God is a God of redemption and forgiveness. He's faithful even when we are not. He's sovereign, and he loves us. These are great books. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into these. And, you know, God, God will hold shepherds accountable, whether they're local or national leaders, church leaders, leaders in our home, you know, men. Uh, be, be the shepherd of your, your family. You know, if, if, God, if we have godly people following godly leaders, uh, amazing things are going to happen. God will, will use us in, in a mighty way, I believe. Well, that's the intro to, to Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, very brief. Let's pray. Uh, our Father, uh, we, we acknowledge you as uh, a God of mercy, great mercy and, and love and patience. You are slow to anger and your your faithfulness is is great uh, and even even when we stray you're you're willing to receive us back if we repent uh, so lord we we truly desire to to be obedient to to your call uh, lord have your way with us fill us lord with your with your holy spirit that that we might as individuals and families and as a church, Lord, bear, bear the fruit of, of righteousness, the fruit of your spirit. For Christ's sake, amen.